Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. This story of John Bizagno and it's a true story. He's the pastor of Houston's First Baptist Church. He tells a story of his coming there to candidate for the position of pastor many years ago. And he said that as he entered the auditorium of the church, it was dimly lit with just a few people huddled around. They were singing some old, slow, funeral-type songs for praise and worship. And later that day, he took a walk in downtown Houston, and he came upon a jewelry store. And it was some sort of grand opening, and there were bright lights and a greeter at the door to welcome him in. The greeter was friendly, open, with a smile. Inside there, the jewelry store was a celebration going on. There were refreshments and people having a good time talking and laughing and enjoying each other. And they welcomed him in and they offered him some punch and some snacks. And he said that after attending both the church, get this, after attending both the church and the jewelry store, if the jewelry store had offered an invitation, he would have joined the jewelry store. And I thought to myself, I said, you know, how unfortunate it is, are you listening, that some churches and some Christians even have no joy. They have no excitement. They have no, you know, joy about the Lord. You know, we, we, we serve an awesome God. And we serve a God who's done great things. He's doing great things in the triangle this weekend. The media even said he's doing great things. Amen. Now you know, you know, listen, you know that when the media is nice, that's a God thing. I'm actually going to take it back. I used to, I used to call the news an observer, the news and disturber. But I'm taking it back. They've been nice, and uh, if you work for them, I love you. And uh, love you, love you, love you. And, uh, but God is doing great and awesome things, and, and we need to be excited about that. And, and we need to have the joy of the Lord as it relates to that, and excitement about the things of God. And as we've been going through the book of Romans, I don't know, are you getting this, but... Paul has an excitement. Paul was a proud, powerful preacher. He was by no means mealy mouth. Where'd that come from anyway? <laughs> mealy mouth. And uh, he was uh, a powerful preacher. 
a passionate preacher. You know, somebody once said, put some fire in your sermon or put your sermon in the fire. I agree with that. Two people. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Mom and Dad. <laughs> Preach, son. And, and I, I just believe in it. There's nothing worse than hearing a, a boring sermon. I mean, really, that's painful. Amen. <laughs> and uh, Paul was passionate. Here's my point. He's passionate and powerful as he's been talking to us about the foreknowledge of God. He's been talking to us about election. He's been talking to us about the fact that we are saved and we're sanctified and we've been justified and we're blessed. And that we serve an awesome God and we serve a God who is sovereign. These are the things we've been talking about. We serve a sovereign God. What does that mean, Rodney? Well, it simply means that God does whatever he wants. He is sovereign. He's a sovereign king. And God in chapter 8, as we talked about, has decided in his sovereignty to tell us that we are blessed, to let us know that nothing shall separate us from this sovereign, awesome, loving God. And we learned that in God's sovereignty and election, God does not set aside his mercy. And then to prove that, if you were with us last week, were you? Paul reached back to the Old Testament prophet Hosea. He reached back to the Old Testament prophet Isaiah to illustrate that he had, that it had already been prophesied that Israel was going to reject the Messiah and that God was going to gather a people who were not his people and he's going to make, cause the Gentiles to be saved. If you've been with us, with us over the last several weeks, you know the book of Romans divides logically and nicely, should I add, into three sections. Chapters 1 through 8, Bible students, you got a pen. Chapters 1 through 8 deals with the principles of salvation, and we call that doctrine. And then in chapters 12 through 16, it deals with the practicals in salvation, we call that duty. And sandwiched between chapters 1 through 8 and chapters 12 through 16, we have chapters 9 through 11 that deals with God's plan for Israel. I gave you a couple weeks back, some weeks back, an outline of which we're going to be using over the next several weeks. Chapter 9 deals with Israel's past election, which we've completed last week, chapter 9. And then chapter 10 deals with Israel's present rejection. And then finally, chapter 11 deals with Israel's future reception. Israel's past election, Israel's present rejection, and Israel's future reception is what we'll be talking about over the next several weeks. Now, if you've got a pen with you, I want you to write these down. Here's an outline. Uh, actually, I'm going to give you a three-point outline, if you will, and we'll deal with two of them this morning. Next week, we'll come back and deal with the final part of our outline. This morning, we're going to be talking about Christ revealed as Savior in chapter 10. You're going to find that in verses 1 through 4. Christ revealed as Savior. And then secondly, Christ received as Savior by some. You find that in verses 5 through 13 we'll cover today. And then next week when you come back to church, we'll be talking about Christ rejected as Savior. 
We'll find that in verses 14 through 21, rejected as Savior by most. We'll talk about that next week. My sermon title this morning, One Way, One Way. Listen, give me your attention. You know that chapter and verse is not inspired by the Holy Spirit. Chapter and verse is put in the Bible so that we can read the Bible and make it easier to read, make it easier to to digest and to read. Chapter and verse is not inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the book of Romans is written as one letter. It's one continuous letter. Just like you would sit down and write your friend a letter and you would start and you would end that letter. So the book of Romans is written as one letter. So as you go from chapter to chapter, it just reads as one letter. So why don't we this morning together, we'll pick up our study this morning in chapter 9. We'll look at verse 33 and then we'll move right on into chapter 10. So Romans chapter 9, saints, beginning in verse 33, if you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. As it is written, behold, I lay in Zion. This is talking about who, saints? Jesus, you know that. Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Chapter 10, verse 1, brethren or sistren. I don't want to leave the ladies out. Brethren, my heart's desire, get this, saints, and prayer. Would you underline that? My heart's desire and prayer for God, to God, for Israel, is that they might be saved. Circle that. For I bear them witness in verse 2 that they have, what saints? A zeal for God. What do they have, saints? A zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, they've not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the goal. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Stop right there, saints. Give me your attention. Our first point in our outline, Christ revealed as Savior. Notice Paul begins this section on Israel's present rejection with my heart's desire and prayer to God. Look at it again in verse 1. My heart's desire and prayer to God is that Israel might come to know Jesus. That Israel, are you listening, might be saved. Now I feel the need to... Describe, illustrate this word saved. Saved, perhaps you're Christian and you have no idea what this word saved means. I mean, what is this? All these Christians talking about this word saved. What is that? Saved from what? This is a very important word. You got to understand. It's a very important word to Christians. It's a very descriptive word, if you will. This word save really carries with it the idea, are you listening, that before you came to Christ, before you came to know Jesus, you were lost, the Bible teaches. Look at me. You were lost and dying in your sin. 
Before you came to Christ, you were a drowning person in a pool of sin. And God threw out a life wrath to you. What is that life wrath? His name is what? Jesus. God sent his son, Jesus, to save you. Because you were in need of being saved. It had nothing to do with how good or bad a person you were. Salvation is apart from your own goodness. Salvation is needed because at the very core and the fiber of who we are, we are sinners. We are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. The Bible teaches very clearly in Isaiah 53 verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says that there is none righteous, not even one. Romans chapter 3 verse 23, we read it some time ago. It says all have sin and what saints fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners and we're all in need of salvation. So while we were drowning, God threw a life preserver out to you. And when you take that life preserver, you will be saved. You were lost, but now you are found. If you understand, say amen. amen. Very important word. Now this whole process of salvation and saving is all God. It's God's initiative, it's God's effort, it's God's actions that brings us to himself. The Lord in his mercy, the Bible teaches, searches for us until he finds us. And this is what we mean when we talk about salvation. So Paul says in our text, my deepest desire is for Israel to be saved. Paul says, my deepest desire, you know, I've taught the book of Romans before. And, you know, when you read the Bible, you can get something different out of it every time you read it. Can I get a witness? That's the wonderful thing about the Bible. It's the living word. It just keeps on living and keeps on going. You know, I think the Energizer Bunny, they stole that from God's word. I think. And because uh, you could just get more and more and more and more out of God's word. It was D.L. Moody who said that God's word is deep enough for a theologian to drown in and shallow enough for a baby to swim in. That simply means you you'll never arrive. You'll never understand everything. You'll never get to the place where you say, I can't learn anything more. Because just when you say that, God will teach you something else. And then you feel like a dummy. <laughs> Happens to me all the time. Don't y'all say amen. <laughs> so we read God's word and we learn God's word and we grow in God's word and we see different things as we study the word of God. And I'm reading this passage and I, I get it. This thing pops out to me. Paul says, my deepest desire, which causes me to question. And I wonder, should you question right now? What is your desire? What is your deepest desire? Have you ever stopped to ask yourself that question? Have you ever stopped to ask yourself, what is your deepest desire? You know, some people's heart's desire and deepest desire is to be a rock star. Some people's deepest desire is to be a rap artist. Yeah, boy. 
Some people's deepest desire is to be rich. Some people's deepest desire is to be a doctor. Some people's deepest desire is they want to work at Walmart. Now, I say raise it up a little bit. You come up a little bit. Maybe Target, I don't know. If you work there, I love you. Give me a gift card. Some people's hardest desire is to find a friend and you know, lead them to the Lord, lead a co-worker to the Lord, that someone should be saved. What's your deepest heart's desire? Paul says, my heart's desire is that Israel would be saved. My heart's desire, look at verse 1, and prayer. You see that? My heart's desire and prayer. Did you know, listen, that there is a difference between prayer and praying? Did you know that? There is a difference between prayer and praying. You know, as a pastor, people expect me to, you know, make nice prayers and They'll have me come over, pray for their house, and, you know, make nice prayers. And they, wow, he prays good. He prays good. You know, your praying, listen, is what you do. Here's the difference between prayer and praying. Your praying is what you do, say, at dinner. You know, good God, good food, good meat, let's eat. I don't be, but no, don't pray long when we're trying to eat. Don't pray long. That is ungodly. <laughs> Somebody wave at me if you know what I'm talking about. You ever been in a prayer meeting, people? And you know, you, you're trying to eat dinner. The food is getting cold, man. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I call upon thee. He's like blessing the curtains and the carpet and all that. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Prayer is just good. Good God, good food, good meat, let's eat. That's your praying. You're praying. That's just what you do. But listen, my prayer, different than my praying. My prayer, are you listening, is continual. My prayer Speaks to what I do continue. My prayer speaks to like 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that says pray without ceasing. Oh, that's my prayer. That's what I do when I go to bed as I'm going to sleep. I'm just in an attitude in the heart of prayer. That's what I do when I wake up and my eyes open up. You know the first thing I say? Thank you, Jesus. When I wake up in the morning, I say thank you. I would encourage you to do so. When you wake up in the morning, thank the Lord. People say, I don't have anything to thank God for. Yeah, you do. You woke up. Did I say that earlier? I'm saying it again. Yeah, man, God kept your brain going at night. He kept your heart beating at night. And you can be thankful for that. That's your prayer. That's what you do as you're going to work or going to school. That's your prayer, the prayer on your heart. That's the aching in your heart. That's your heart's desire. Paul says, my heart's desire and my constant aching in my heart is that Israel would be saved. He says, because I see two problems with my people. I see, number one, they have a problem because they have a misguided passion. Write that down. They have a misguided passion. And number two, they have a misguided purpose. And 
misguided passion, number one, and a misguided purpose. Number one, they have a misguided passion. What do you mean, Rodney? Because look at verse two, Paul says they have a zeal for God, but not according to what saints? Knowledge. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. A zeal for God. Listen, zeal is good. Zeal is good. The problem is that zeal, not according to knowledge, is not good. But zeal is good. Paul would say, I am the master. Listen, Paul would say, I'm the master of zeal. I'm the zeal master. Zeal master, what do you mean? Philippians chapter 3, verse 6, or actually 4 through 6, Paul says, If anyone has confidence in the flesh, I the more. Circumcised the eighth day, Paul says, of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. Paul says, I was a Hebrew of all Hebrews. Concerning the law of Pharisee. Concerning what, saints? Zeal. Persecuting the church. Paul says, listen, you, I know about zeal. I had so much zeal, I was killing Christian folks. I had so much zeal, I was on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9. And I was headed to the city of Damascus to kill men, women, and children who called themselves Christians. Paul was zealous toward God, but his zeal was not according to knowledge. He was persecuting the church. You know the story, and Jesus stops him right there and says, Paul, what are you doing? Your zeal is out of line. Don't you know, Paul, that you're persecuting me? You see, zeal is good, but zeal without knowledge is not good. They have a zeal for God. You know, we all know people who have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. You know, I think of the people like Greenpeace people. And I think of people who are Save the Earth people. They have a zeal for God. They have a zeal for right things. But it's not according to knowledge. You know, I think of Mormons. And I think of Jehovah's Witnesses. They have a zeal for God. They are so zealous for God that they knock on your door and try to tell you about God. They have a zealousness for God that they stop you in the Walmart parking lot and ask you about paradise. They have a zeal for God, which, by the way, should I say, side note, Christians, we could use a little bit of that zeal. I took a poll for a service. I won't take one now. I asked him, I said, how many people had a Christian knock on your front door and, and say, hey, I want to tell you about the gospel of Jesus Christ? And very few people could raise their hand, one or two, I think. Because Christians don't do that. I mean, really, I'm not going to take a pull now. I mean, I really, really super want to, but I, <laughs> but I can't. But Christians don't do that. I, I know I don't I don't remember a Christian in a extremely long time coming to my front door to tell me about Jesus or stopping me in the parking lot to tell me about Jesus. And here it is. We claim Christian folks. Listen, we claim that God's word is the power of God and salvation. We claim there's one way to heaven. And his name is Jesus. And if you don't go through Jesus, you can't go to heaven. We claim that God is an awesome God, a mighty God who wants to reach people. But we don't do anything about it. And I believe, listen, I'm a preacher of this book. It's called the Bible. And I believe in this Bible. 
And I believe we have the truth. It is the truth after in my 25 years of looking and searching and reading and studying because I want to know why I believe what I believe. And I've come to find out that Jesus really is who he said he is. I didn't say was because he's alive in heaven. He, where he is, I believe it. And I believe it's the truth. And if we do believe it's the truth, then where is our zeal? Man, where is our zeal? We believe what we have is true. Then I think we should take it and share it with people. Somebody say amen. amen. A zeal for God. You know, I remember when I first became a Christian. January 23rd, 1982. Friendly Church of God in Christ, 7.30 p.m. I'll never forget that day. It changed my life. Woke up the next day. Life was changed. Saw things differently. Grass was green. Sky was blue. Unbelievable. Different. Changed. About a week later, I thought, man, the whole world's got to hear this. This is this is awesome. This whole gospel thing and Jesus thing. I know nothing about the Bible. I know the thing about the Bible. And mind you, I went to Catholic school all my life. And I uh, didn't know anything about God. I said, man, the whole world's got to hear this. People got to hear this. The best thing since sliced bread. And somebody got to go tell them. Well, Friday night come around, all the sailors and the Marines, they going out, going to get some drink on. <laughs> hey, you want to go? No. Where are you going, man? I'm going to go out and tell people about Jesus. Man, you have lost your mind. <laughs> I got all dressed up. I kid you not. I got all dressed up. I put on a suit like I was going to church, y'all. Friday night. I got on the bus because I, I ain't have a car. And uh, I got on the bus and I went downtown, Oceanside, California. Stood on the corner. All dressed up in a suit, Bible in hand. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.